0: Oh, he's a big man. Oh, do me do my stuff. When are you gonna turn this mic on? You are you me to do a radio show with the equipment turned off? Okay, all right. Oh, <laughs> on here. Hello, gang. Hi, crap! Gee whiz, it's sure good to see you. All you deep thinkers out there. All you sensitive people. <laughs> Certainly glad, uh, once again, to greet the concerned. Those who really care. Good to see you. I am just whistling along with a breeze. rickety teek rat ta ta Got a letter here from a lady. She says, Dear Mr. Shepherd. I certainly say that it's a joy to listen to you when you're serious. When you're discussing serious subjects. But uh, I must dispute you. I must say that Kenny Delmar did not, was not Mrs. Nussbaum. And uh, furthermore, Mr. Shepard, I'm surprised that a man of your responsibility does not realize that... The only one who knows the evil that lurks in the souls of men is Fulton Lewis, Jr., not the shadow. And, uh, madam, they're one and the same. honey. Uh, what a golem So once again, we greet you from the center ring here in the fantastic circus of life. We greet you here. On one hand, you'll see the lions, and on the other hand, you'll see the hippopotami. And uh, you'll notice walking the tightrope are the squirrels and the chipmunks. Although at this distance, folks, it's difficult to tell one from the other. Lions, tigers, hippopotami from squirrels and chipmunks. So, where do you stand? Which one are you? Uh, raise your hand and, uh, before you leave the room, uh, let us know. All right, it's two doors down to the left, under the stairs, past the place where they keep the lunches. Okay? All together now, gang, my God, it is Friday. It's always Friday, you notice that? You realize that you are now over 7,328 weeks old? It only seems like four days. Or seven centuries. But it's not an easy song to sing. Joni James would not be able to handle that, and the Beatles would fall all over their hair trying that one. Speaking of that, let's see. We have a few notes here. A surgeon in London, Surgeon Norman Carpenter, has suggested that car safety belts should be designed like brasiers for women drivers. Such a belt, he told the safety conference, would encourage women to use them in their autos and would prove to be <coughs> brack, aesthetically satisfying. <laughs> Just thought you had to know that there's a lot of nuttiness going on out there. Let's see. Eaton... England, the students at this exclusive British school have been given permission to form a motorcycle club. As a result, the young men now race around the campuses on their Hondas dressed in school uniform tuxedos. Just thought you ought to know that it's spreading, friends. London, UPI, six Cambridge University competitors were en route today, in fact, this very minute, by small bus to the Soviet Union to play and to try to teach the Russians to play tiddlywinks. Quote, we hope to get them interested by playing games in the various villages, said John Penhallow, 22, leader of the six-man university tiddlywinks club. We may even play in Red Square in London. It's spreading. I can see these guys setting up their little tent in Red Square, can't you, in their bowler hats and their rolled bumper chutes, laying out the green baize, laying out the... The, the green felt where they're going to play tiddlywinks and the peasants are trudging back after 12 hours clomping around among the rutabaggies in the field. Oh, I say, say bro, we'd like to teach you a game, yeah? It's the international revolution. Oh, But uh-huh, well, Would you please bring me a little more of that uh, setting up the mood music, please? Very good. Once again... We re-enter the gallimotree of resistance. Cha <laughs> cha 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 Hire, play that, thing. that that's very interesting, very interesting all right, je uh, we might as well return to the life of uh real live real living you know all hey, you know speaking of that. Real existence and the fantastic gallimography of life. Uh, I'm driving along uh, uh, the West Side Highway the other day, see, and I'm looking out across that great fat old stinking river that lays there like some big fat old stinking river between New York, Manhattan, and Jersey. You know that's a big thing there, that river there. And I see what looked like a destroyer. I swear. You know, there's a destroyer laying at anchor, or something, some big gray boat with a big number on the front and a couple of big guns sticking out, and it's laying at anchor there. And I'm I'm driving along, and I look across, and it's dark. It's very, you know, how how you see those Hudson Palisades leaping up there in the dark, and it's kind of exciting. And I'm driving along, and I see that that gunboat laying there, and over the top of the radar towers, and I can see the radar still slowly swinging around. He's on sweeps, and he's just slowly swinging around, and up above that. I see all those little lights, like a filigree, kind of like lace, atop the uh, atop those big hills. You know, atop the palisades, look lace there, and it's the Palisades Park. You know, the amusement park there looks like lace. Have you noticed that? Just sort of hanging, like somebody's dropped all kinds of little sparkling pieces of silver or mercury or something. It's just all kind of lays there and kind of sparkles. And I see the Ferris wheel going around, and and uh, I'm I turned down the window, of the car said, I'm looking out, it's, uh, sort of laying there silently, and the gunboat is in the foreground, and I could see that dark, stinky, old, crummy river flowing on. So, Can you imagine what Henry Hudson, Henry Hudson, must have felt like the first time he came up that river? You know, that's one of America's most beautiful rivers. Of course, that is if you can look past the junk and all the joy is in it now, but it, it really is, you know, one day after we're all gone, it'll get to be beautiful again, you know, and the, all that stuff settles down to the bottom and all the footballs and the old tires and the old Ford bodies and all the junk, you know. There's a lot of stuff I can't even talk about that's floating in that river there. But it's there, and, and uh, whether I talk about it or not, it's there. So don't think I made it. Uh, it's just there, see, and it's floating on down, and I'm looking across that scene. Uh, Do you have any of that nice uh, amusement park music there? It's Catoosieville. There it is, see? And I can see it's all part of the general scheme. It's all part of the overall conception of the mosaic of existence that we live in. You know, we just drop little lights in here, little lights there, and we have gunboats floating on the rivers, and we have all that jazz floating past the gunboats, and on top of those old hills, those dark hills, reaching for that Stygian sky. It's a nice word. Uh incidentally that is derived from Saint Stygian, uh, who is another of the lesser-known saints, and we'll discuss that a little later on in the show. Fascinating. Have you ever seen the Saint Stygian medal? It's Just round. It's it's blank. Well, you have to look up Stygian, you'll know what I mean. And so there on top of the Palisades these little lights. It's amusement parksville, see? And I can see those little cars going up and down on the roller coaster. <laughs> And the gunboats floating at anchor there, and I say, "By George. It's all there and it's a yard wide. It's there, but for the galloping. You just gotta open your old soul. You gotta let that old soul of yours run free and loose with its mouth hanging open and its gills flapping. And you can suck it all in. There it is. It's all there. That old river floating on down to the sea, carrying its load of empty Valentine cans just floating on out the sea. That old gunboat gliding slow and hard with its radar swinging round, and on top of that, the amusement park. Hooray! Wow! Wee! Woo! Whoopee! And the fun house. And that fun house. That fantastic figure with those great staring blue eyes with that enormous red mouth. Ha, ha, ha! The fun house, gang. All you gotta do is open a mouth of your soul and let them gills go and suck it in it's all style and a yard wide Hunk, what a fantastic musician you are turning out to be shepherd I'll tell you, you can't sing, you can't play but somehow there's the spirit I've been working on the railroad. Now, why did I talk about that? Well, I'm looking out of the window there, and I see this—I see this wild amusement park over there. It looks great when you're 4,000 miles away from it. And I remember—I uh, was hung on amusement parks. It was—we all go through that phase, you know, of the amusement park world. And uh... did you—you did you ever go through that phase, corny You know, when every Saturday night you get out and you get with that crowd and you throw baseballs, lumpy baseballs with those lead be- those lead bottles, try to win uh, chalk dolls that look like, oh boy. One day they're gonna dig that stuff out and they're gonna wonder about us. Now, I mean really, where do, they, where do they find a lot of those prizes, you know? Can you imagine a guy who designs carnival prizes for guys that are trying to see how high they can make that little weight go when they hit it with a hammer? That's a special kind of guy. And he has special aesthetics. And uh, yeah, oh yeah, you know the dolls with the feathers all around them. Uh, what do you do with that junk when you have won it? It's just a question, oh speaking of of, of that kind of aesthetic what what is it that leads people i am just asking uh, uh is there one guy out there now now, come on, we will not use your name, guarantee you anonymity, you will not be held up to ridicule before your neighbors, and if you wish to, you can talk through your nose, you can oh, yeah, yeah. Uh we will not ask you what your mystery occupation is i don't care whether you're a pusher or what you know uh, i want one guy out there who will concede and admit that he's got this klutzy looking two-tone car let's say like a fifty eight forge you know with the purple top the grape colored top and the uh... the bottom that's uh, used to be white and now it vaguely looks like goat vomit you know and, and uh... he's driving Oh, I'm sorry. I mean, you see, that's the trouble with me. Uh, reality just is not good for these people. And so uh, he's driving along in this car. Oh, now, come on, raise your hand. Now, now, listen to me. I'm trying to get to a point here. He's driving along. Oh, the whole show's going. The the, the the bow-wows. Bring a lot of that music. See, I can't get anybody here to cooperate with me. I'm trying to find out what it is, what kind of a nutty, terrible urge in the human soul forces him to put an animal, a stuffed animal, in the rear window of his car with two big glass eyes staring out to the back. I don't care whether it's a tiger or a griffin or a panda or maybe even a stuffed image or a stuffed model of your mother. Why? What is it? What, What fantastic deep subterranean sickness forces a man to stick this in the back window? Come on, bring it up there. We will now wait for one guy to step forward and tell us why he did it. What were, what were the aesthetics? What were the steps through which he went? I mean, the reasoning of such a creature can be said to have reason. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're being very wide here tonight. We're being very broad-minded tonight. We are allowing that all human beings have the ability to reason, you see. And so, what brought this man to say, that's what I need? And he paid $47.95 for this stuffed Oryx. You know, a big one, one of those Zeif or something, and it's got big, fluffy, purple ears. It's got two green eyes with yellow pupils. And now he stuck it in the back window of his 49 floor, which has no visibility anyway. And he stuck this thing out in the back there, and now somehow his world is complete. In his 2 toned monstrosity. That's spelled with a capital M. With a little E on the end. It's not spelled Y, it's I-E. With a little umlaut. Hi, lout. A little umlaut over the eye. <laughs> Charlie umlaut, bring it up. <laughs> well, yes, we're dedicating tonight's program to Saint Stitch. Oh, and by the way, that's enough for them. See, you notice nobody wants to step forward, and yet I know there must be four thousand guys who are driving around in terrible cars with a with an animal in the back, and I'm not talking about that chick. I'm talking about. Yeah, oh, that reminds me, speaking of pigs, this is WORAM and FM in good old friendly New York. Yes, sir. The bright, clear taste in beer. Miller Highlight, the champagne of bottled beer. That's Miller Highlight. is about famous Miller High Life beer that has soared in popularity because millions more recognize the traditional quality and heritage of an unequaled, unchanging, truly great beer. Wherever people are living better, you'll find Miller High Life in handy take-home cans, on tap, or in the familiar crystal clear bottles. Next time you want the very finest, ask for Miller High Life the champagne of bottled beer. Sparkling. Flavorful. Distinctive. Pow, pow. Ta-da, chew, chew, chew. Let's give that a woody Herman ending Pow, Pow, pow. La ta 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 Oh, we have a lot of little commercials here tonight. Here's a goodie here. La ta-ta-ta-ta. do not tell me I left that. Oh, yeah. Hey, listen, there's a great piece, which, in my usual clever way, I've left down to my desk, forget it. Uh, there's a great piece in the Newark News, I believe, on the Rover 2000 TC. And uh, the writer, if I had brought the piece up, I could have quoted to you, But the, but the writer quotes the performance of this car, and he makes the point, of course, that it's about five years ahead in safety but he is marveling this is something it's a very deceptive car he makes a great point he says the car goes down the street and the police think it's an ordinary car you know and it looks uh, it sort of molds itself into the background and he says and this thing goes from zero to a hundred in thirty four seconds that's to one hundred in case you're interested in, in uh, uh... figures re uh... the way she performs tc by the way stands for twin carburation. And the model that we can buy here in America is not available anywhere else in the world. That the Rover 2000 TC is not available to residents of Great Britain or to Europe. It's a special car that is built for the kind of driving we have in this country, which is big, fast, high, broad, turnpike driving. It's a magnificent car. The Rover 2000 TC, and if you'd like to see technical specs, on this fantastic creation out of the artistic mind of man. Uh, send your name and address to Louvre here. At the, no, I mean Rover, W-O-R. Where do I get those terrible things? I'm, these are old John Gambling scripts that are laying around here. That's typical of his fantastic, incisive wit. Uh, send your name and address to Louvre. That's spelled L-O-V-E-R. Here, in care of W-O-R, and we'll send you copies with the beautiful pictures of the Rover specs. Now, do you have another whoopee in there for me, Corny? Hit the button. You see, George didn't have much push. He wasn't particularly aggressive. In fact, he was sort of a flop. A great big fat flop. Down there. Oh, stop it, mother! I hope that was an empty bottle, George. You can't afford to waste good liquor. Not on your salary. Not on an associate professor's salary. So here I am, stuck with this, throttled, this dog in the history department, Martha. who's married to the president's daughter, Martha. who's expecting. Elizabeth Taylor, Richard Burton. The motion picture, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? Also starring George Siegel and Sandy Dennis. Remember, no one under 18 will be admitted to the theater unless accompanied by his parent. Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? From one of <laughs> Uh, the picture, Who's Afraid of Virginia Albee, is now playing at Lowe's Tower East the Theaters there. And the Criterion. Ah, my, I blown That's a beautiful LP there. Just wonderful. I just wish I could believe Elizabeth Taylor's an actress. Just once. Be kind of a nice thing there. Uh, oh, I believe her is Elizabeth Taylor. Ain't no doubt about that this, that, these, those, and them. Oh, we have uh, one more note here. Uh, Oh, yes, tomorrow night. Speaking of uh, magnificent performances, tomorrow night at the same time. Uh, Yes, just at this exact moment, we will begin to really warm up at the limelight. We go on the air at 10.30 until midnight, and uh, the place is wide open. And you know, there's something very special happens down in the village and the limelight in the heat of summer. I, I, I cannot describe it. It's, uh, it really is. It's like, it's like somehow you're in the neighborhood of some kind of giant monster that's in heat or something, you know, that's really beginning to feel life. And that's the way the village is in the San... Yeah, it's true. It, it, there's a kind of tension. Not, not really tension. Excitement. It's hard to pinpoint what it exactly is. It has all kinds of pros, cons, negatives. But uh, if you, <laughs> you want to know what's happened, baby, it's down there. Anything south of Fourteenth Street, that's where it's going, and uh, we are on. True, you'll admit that 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 the atmosphere, corny you experienced for the first time here a couple of weeks ago. There's nothing that you have experienced yet like the limelight quite. It's very curious, and that uh, we'll be there tomorrow night. And uh, if you'd like to make the scene, they have a great outdoor restaurant and everything. And if you'd like to make the scene down there, the chances are good. Oh, well, maybe fifty to one. That uh, even though you don't have a reservation, you can probably get some kind of a seat. They'll let you swing from the bull's horns or something. Stuffed bull's horns down there. You know, I, I-, I told you what uh, we're going to do tonight, uh, tomorrow night, rather, at the limelight. We're going to do, uh, oh, well, I, I use the editorial we there, of course. I'm going to do my famous uh, one man evocation and version of Genesis. Well, look, I believe in an artist taking on big themes. I don't know, you know, what do you want me to do? Fool around here all the time discussing whether or not golf balls blow up if you bite into them? Or whether or not a, a tape baseball can be hit more than 40 feet? I can prove it can be, you know. I have the busted wrist to prove it. You know, uh, spe- <laughs> speaking speaking of great things, have you ever seen? C- c- I'll tell you what. Would you uh, uh, please look on those fifty fantastic moments of of movie music, uh, movie music there, please. And uh, it, would you get me cut two there? No, cut one is pretty good. Cut one is uh, on the other side, not the rinky tink. The others, so cut two on then. Cut one on side two. Uh, I I just want to illustrate something that you might have seen. I don't know what. The, did you, it's speaking of of. of of unbelievable little straws in the wind. Did you see this this uh, full page ad the other day in uh, I believe it was the New York Times? I have it cut out and it's hanging on my desk on the uh, little uh, bulletin board I've got. Let's let's hear that big opening. Come on, bring it in there, big. Oh, that's fantastic! Oh, wow! how's this for big movie music? This is CinemaScope music, widescreen, in full, exciting erotic color. This is a full page ad out of the New York Times. <laughs> Exotic, colossal, biblical pictures present <laughs> the story of it all. starring god and there is an opening picture It was done in a series of shots from the movie and it showed this vast swirling fantastic cube of searing flame and above it the words in the beginning there was fire and creation Out of this fire Slowly evolved And then you could see the scene You could see the smoke and the flame Is clearing away And you see a desolate Burning, steaming landscape Slowly evolved The beginning And we see in the foreground A human figure beginning to evolve Out of the protoplasm of fire itself Boom! Boom! Yes, the story of the creation. And you see this human being evolving out of the smoke and the fire. And then, in the last picture, a stirring, brilliant, beautiful, moving evocation of the story of us all. You saw the first human being standing alone on a desolate beach. it's a chick. Looks a little bit like Rigid Bardot from that angle. Yes, it has now come to light, and exotic color pictures brings you the truth. Adam was not Adam, but... (laughs) And I thought, gee whiz, now there is a fantastic new version of Genesis. That Adam was not the first man; Eve was the first man, and I presume that they made Adam from a rib of Eve. Of course, in our matriarchy, it would have to be that way. Did, did any? Did any of you see that? Did you see that thing? I didn't, I'm not making it up. I know, I know a lot of people are going to say Jimmy Shepard is making up, making up. Oh no, 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 no. Speaking of. Uh, you know, speaking of uh, these these great uh, these great moments of insight, I'm, I'll never forget the time I'm a kid. See, and it has to do with this amusement park and the whole scene. You know, the whole exciting, wild galeamophery of existence. And there was one place that we always went when I was a kid. That was amusement park. My old man was really hung on amusement parks, like he was hung on parades. He liked the uh, ball games. Uh, fist fights. Oh, he would travel four miles if he heard there was a fist fight on the corner of 63rd and Cottage Grove. We would pile into the olds and we'd go, you know. And he used to bring a megaphone. He'd holler, you know, and cheer and all that stuff. And so we would go to every everything wherever there was any action. And 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 in this time of the year, right now, July, was the time when the entire family, all the aunts and all the uncles, the whole scene, we would all gather together about three o'clock in the afternoon. And we would eat potato salad and hot dogs. It was the time we were going down. It was the big night. We were going down to Riverview Amusement Park. Did any of you hear of Riverview? You know the uh, amusement parks in the classical sense uh, have almost disappeared from the American scene. Uh, there are a few of them still around. Among them is this is Palisades Park over here. This is a classical amusement park. A Coney Island has slowly, almost totally disappeared as, uh, as you know, it's, it's, it's become sort of really a kind of a, a fixed, uh, non-moving, carny joint. But it's not quite an amusement park in the classical sense, which was really very loosely related to the carnival. A real amusement park was a standard set permanent operation. And uh, we would all go to Riverview Park, which was a, which is fantastic. It's still there, you know. It's a big deal in Chicago. A tremendous thing. And we used to walk around in the great herd. You know, all the kids, uh, my cousin uh, Buddy, and uh, my cousin Merle, and my cousin Chuck, and my kid brother. You know, he's uh, trailing along and whimpering. There was always a whole mob of cousins who were in who were in that squadron that my kid brother belonged to. The whimperers, see, and then there was the rest of us, me and Chuck and Buddy and Merle, you know, big tough type cousins, and up ahead would be all the uncles. See, so we'd walk and it was one thing where where there was a great separation point between the men and the boys, between the grown-ups and the real-life people, uh, that that was very clearly defined in the amusement parks in the classical sense, and that is the kind of rides you were allowed to ride on. And there was a ride, one ride that was that was uh, kind of the Nay Plus Ultra. It was it was the ultimate ride. Uh, it was the ride that only when when my dad had had belted down a couple of bourbons, and uh, my uncle Carl, uh, who had belted down about forty-five bourbons, because it, it, it didn't count with him until he'd gone over thirty. Uh, yeah, it took a lot of bourbon to score with him. After all, you know all those bourbons that he'd had all of his life, you know, and. Uh, uh, after after these two guys, they the I remember the two of them standing in front of this fantastic ride. You could see the, the it was a roller coaster you see, but a very high roller coaster, and and the the roller coasters had had these you know that kind of lattice work bracing, and it looked like it must have been a half as high as the Empire State Building. Fantastic thing, way up there, and it dropped off almost vertically, and and then would go up again, twisted in and out, and it was called. The Bob's. Don't ask me why it was called the Bob's. It was called the Bob's. But even now, to this day, whenever I run into somebody named Bob, there's a little sick feeling of fear, a little twinge of, a little, a little twinge of kind of uh oh, look out! Oh yeah! Every time I pass Bob Leader in the hall, I, I, I hear the screaming of the victims on the Bob's, roaring and screaming. We've our programmer Bob Smith. I pass him and I hear the same thing. And it's very interesting. Be careful of men named Bob. My old man also says, watch out for guys that wear bow ties. Bad scene. Those are guys to watch out for. And he says, be careful for guys. Watch out for guys that wear mustaches and bow ties. Bad. And he says, he says, turn the other way and walk real quick. If he not only has a bow tie and he has a mustache and he smokes a cigar, says, that is bad news. He says, that guy will unzip everything you got. You are ready to peel. He says, look out. He says, that guy, <laughs> he says, that guy is out for big blood. Big blood. He says, and look out. He says, there's a certain way the guys wear their lapels. That's another thing. He says, and if he, if he comes, comes to you, he's got a bow tie, he's got a mustache, smoking a cigar, and he's got two-tone shoes. Bad news. Bad news, uh, you know. There's some truth to that, isn't there? <laughs> Corney nods. He says, "Yeah, he knows. <laughs> that guy is selling something, and whatever, whatever it is, it's got a balsa wood transmission. That's all. It's got a hook in it, you know. Oh yeah. And so he, 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 and Uncle Carl, see, they'd stand in front of the Bobs, and you could see them hanging out of each other. They'd sway a little bit. See, come on. What do you say? And Carl let well, I don't know. You know, I "Come on, come on, let's go." Yeah, you know. Well, okay. And 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 my mother would turn and say, "All right, now all you kids stay right here now." And the uh, Aunt Min say, "All right, kids," and I said, "We're we're going to wait on them now." Please, please don't. And they would beg my father, "Don't go, please. Think of the children." And the old man said, "No, no. Nope, I've got." It was like Mount Everest. You know, why does a man climb Mount Everest? Because it's there. Why did the old man ride the bombs? Cause it was there, and you could hear the sound of the victims. Wow! we go, you know, and then you ding, 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 ding. The old man is looking up, and then you wow! And sure enough, he would go up those long wooden steps that had kind of a platform up there, you know, like a big overgrown subway platform. And there, standing at the entrance, was a man, a man wearing a bow tie. Smoking a short fat cigar with a gold band, he had on a yeah, he had on the nattiest little mustache you ever saw, two tone brown and yellow shoes, and he was working, he was working that turnstile, and the old man and Uncle Carl'd make their deal. You'd see him up there, and they they'd wave, so long, so long that load of cars would come down empty no but hardly anybody really dared to ride the barbs, you know, unless they were three sheets under. Huh, you know and so the old man would get in and uncle carl again next to him and then tick, 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 they would disappear and then you would hear off in the distance <laughs> Wrrow! Wrrow! and it would seem like only about a minute and a half later the turnstile would swing open and you'd see these two ashen figures their faces white as you know, just you could just see their eyes kind of staring. And and of course old Uncle Carl had gotten rid of all the bourbons he had drunk for the last four months, all over my father's shirt, you know, and they would they would come staggering out. And then we would yeah, they would they would arrive down on the down on the down that concrete road and we're all sitting around, you know we're kids, you know, they've all they bought us all a taffy apple to keep us, you know, from yelling and all. So I'm sitting with my taffy, and the old man comes he comes walking up. And he's kind of reeling from side to side, you see, because when you're on the bobs for about a minute and a half, it isn't it isn't you that's staggering anymore, it's the, it's the earth itself, you see, the world is moving. And he comes, keeps banking back and forth like this, and Uncle Carl is banking back and forth, his face is white. And we would set off down the midway then. That was where the afternoon, once in a great while when the old man had his courage up, would start. And I'm a kid, see, I'm back there in that crowd with Buddy and Chuck and Merle and my cousins and all the whole crowd, see. And to me, that was, that was being a man. That was the big time. And my mother, when, when my old man would finally come out of the car, you know, he'd come staggering out, she'd say, oh, thank God you're back. Oh, I was worried. I heard that scream. Because there were always rumors, you see, that every season they would lose like 45 passengers that would never be seen again. They would be hurled down into that great big mob of wood and sticks and tin cans. You know, all that stuff that's underneath one of these big rides. And they'd never be heard from or seen again. And the old man said, ah, nothing. It was nothing. And then my Aunt Min would say, how was it? Please, was it really? The women never went on this ride. And we would go on walking down the midway. And then they had all these rides for kids, you know, like little two and a half foot high Ferris wheels. And I'd sit in there with my knees up around my shoulders, you know, with my cousin Chuck. And we paid a quarter. And this little thing would go up. Well, we'd ride on a little thing called the mechanical mouse. It was a little Mickey Mouse that went around about a foot off the ground and went, you know, that kind of stuff. And all the while, there's this burning thing in my mind. One day. One day it's going to be the Bob's. One day I'm going to get grown up and I'm going to go to the Bob's. And then we would walk on past all these other great things. And there was this one thing particularly where they had this enormous red face, gigantic face. And it was about three stories high. And he had this big mouth, tremendous big red mouth. And his. Glowing eyes, his eyes lit up. They had neon, uh, neon around the eyes. You know, the eyes had light up, and it was continually playing out of this thing, this record that went. <laughs> 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 it was the fun house, and I would see this, this, this fantastic figure. But the figure didn't look like it was having any fun. You see. It really did. It, it, it looked like, it looked like Frankenstein, getting a hot foot. And, and yeah, he, he just had this wild, staring, insane look. And I would walk past this thing, and, and my cousin Chuck and I, you know, and Chuck is exactly my age, See, my cousin Chuck and I walked him past, and checks it wow. And then once in a great while, my, my uncle and my father, and maybe occasionally my Aunt Min, would go into the funhouse. And it would disappear in this enormous mouth. And they'd always say, all right, now, you kids, you wait out here till we come back. Now, uh, take care of them, Joyce. Joyce was our big cousin, see? Take care of them, Joyce. We'll be right back. Don't move any, don't move a bit from this plot." And they would disappear into this mouth. Now, I always said to myself, one day, boy, one day, it's the fun house for me. That's where the big people go. They don't go on those mice, little mice, and these little bumper cars. The big guys don't do that. Nah, it's for the kids, the merry-go-round. You know that I'm going to have to tell you the truth. I never like merry-go-rounds. I think Mary Brown, I think the merry-go-round myth is one of those great one of those great myths. It is always said that kids like merry-go-rounds. No, no. No, no. Nice ladies who read Spock. Uh nice, well-meaning ladies, you know, who believe in doing things for their kids and all that, you know, buy them educational toys. They like merry-go-rounds. Have you ever noticed that when the lady is standing next to that to that big wooden swan, and there's this kid sitting there, and it's going up and down. The lady is grinning. She's grinning. Uh, the grin is all over her face, and she's yelling and waving. And the kid is just sitting there looking. <laughs> you know, it's, that, it's that, uh, uh, that dichotomy between kidhood and what, you, what kids are supposed to like. So I'm thinking, one day it's going to be Funhouse. One day it's going to be the Bobs. And then came that glorious day. I am now 15, see. And I have arrived at the stage, maybe 14, I'm a a freshman in high school. I have arrived at the stage where I can go occasionally to Riverview Park by myself. If I, you know, take a couple of friends, we go there. And so I had saved up maybe a buck and a buck and a half, and I'm out at Riverview Park all by myself. Fantastic. Except for one other person. I'm with Dorothy, this chick that I've got this unbelievable thing on me and this chick and I'm with Chuck my cousin Chuck and he's got this girl from his neighborhood and the four of us and we start out by buying one of these terrible ice cream cones with the sponge sugar you know that big pink stuff you can get it blue you can get it yellow you know and so we buy that and right away my teeth hurt Right off the bat, you know, you start getting, it, it gets on you, you can't get it off, and it tastes nothing. You know, you might as well suck on a cube of sugar, you know, it has no taste at all. And so they had to have that. So right away, we splurge for a quarter for each one of these things. We're walking down the street, and we're not in this place five minutes. We are walking past all the little rides, and here's the shoot the shoots. You know how the shoot the shoots is? You've ever heard that, uh, that about that ride? That is a big slide. And there's a, there's a deep, basic human uh, urge to ride on that thing. It's one of the most basic of all human urges. You know, to slide down a hill? There's great psychological symbolism in that. If you notice, whenever you dream, how many times have you ever dreamed of falling? You're lying there all of a sudden, ooh, ooh, you know, and you wake up, ooh, huh, wow. It's very basic. Oh, Yeah. And and when you stand on the top of a building, sometimes you look out, there is a little subterranean urge. He says, Why don't you try flying? Why don't you go out? Oh sure. That's very subterranean, very basic thing. And that ride, shoot the shoots, plays on that. It's coming down rapidly from a very, very high, high elevation. Also this new bit of parachute jumping. That's part of that scene too, you see. You're giving in to that urge. Giving into it. And so you'd get up on the top of the chute to chutes, and it was water. It was like a waterfall. It went straight down. And you would get in this little boat, maybe six or seven of you would get in a boat, and he would run this little lever back and forth, and then oh, oh, faster and faster and faster you're going down until all of a sudden it seems as if this thing is dropping absolutely with no bottom. Oh, oh, ah. And you'd hit that bottom, you'd hit that basin, and the thing would dig into the water, and the water would spray higher and higher, and the boat would, Whoa! and then it would bob. The happy ending. The happy ending, yet the moment of stark terror. The water, which is a very basic element. All of it contrived to make one of the most, perhaps meaningful rides of all. There was the, sh- there was the shoot to shoot, scene. And Chuck says, "Let's go on." And immediately goes, goes, eh, "We get our dress wet." Eh, rah, rah, rah. Okay, all right, all right, Dorothy, crying out loud. I thought you went out here come for fun, huh? What is it? Why I told you not to wear that that dress. you are crying out loud. You know, Chuck and I we got our blue jeans. I, we go past the shoot the shoots, and now we go past the Mickey Mouse. We go past the bumper guards, and there it is. B O bs the bobs well we are about five feet past this and of course all the kids knew that the that the bobs this was this was death no girl would ever ride on the bobs and i'm standing with chuck chuck's just ahead of me chuck looks back and says shep how about it i said chuck how about it he says don't you let my old lady know that was my aunt kate I said, listen, if you tell Miles that," he says, what do you mean? You, 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 you think I'm out of my mind? That's a typical Chicago answer. At two and a half seconds later, we are laying down our dough. That guy with the black mustache, with the shiny teeth, with the short cigar, with the gold band, with the two-tone shoes. He said, you kids, you kids big enough to ride this? What are you talking about, Mac? Here, he says, you big enough, huh? How about two tickets, huh? I'll give you two for the... You think you can ride it twice? So come on. And into the car. A nice little red car. And I grab onto the bar, see. And Chuck grabs onto the bar next to me. And I could see Dorothy down there and his chick, Vera, you know, are waving. So, oh, chicks! Tick, 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 tick. Up it goes, straight up into the air. we have been riding, you know, roller coasters before. But this, you know, straight up, it goes tick, 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 tick. 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 Tick, 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 tick. Tick, 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 And now we can see all of Chicago spread out. I can see the lake. It's still going up. Tick, Now it pauses for one brief instant. Tick. And I look down. Chuck looks down. I say, Chuck, there's no tracks down there. And he got no tracks down. there. It goes down into a tunnel 6,000 miles an hour. Hits right at this, this fantastic two-by-four. Chuck, it's your, ah! Up and down we go. And my stomach is coming out of my ears. Oh, all of a sudden, it ain't only my stomach. And Chuck, all of a sudden, Chuck. Ooh, ah, ooh, ah, he's grabbing under me. I'm gra- and 10 seconds later, we are walking down that wooden platform towards Vera and Dorothy. My shirt is torn where Chuck grabbed it. And the stuff is all over me. I'm sweating. she says, how was it? It's uh, nothing. <laughs> nothing. I will never forget it. Never.